welcome into another episode of the Young Turfs podcast. This is your host, Mason Viner, joined once again by Ahmed Gafir. Ahmed, Turps rolling in camp. Uh, time to talk about some offense, but first, uh, I think we want to touch on what we're doing here in the podcast, what content we're going to have coming for you guys uh, that follow us here on the Young Turps pod uh, this season. Yeah, I think I'm definitely excited to, to take the show into the 2023 season. Uh, we'll do probably a, a midweek show or whatnot where we kind of preview the opponent and talk about the game or whatnot and then uh, look to do something post-game to just, you know, do quick analysis to give our takes on the game uh, just kind of through the season as uh, Mike Loxley works to uh, take the team into another bowl game in year three. So, um, yeah, definitely should be good. Definitely looking forward to uh, to keeping this going through uh, through the 23 season. Yeah, I mean, definitely got some cool stuff. We're going to try post-game this year. Uh, got a couple of night games that we have some opportunities to, you know, maybe release some content either before the game uh, and immediately after. So check out all that stuff. Obviously, follow Inside the Black and Gold on Twitter. Follow the podcast at YoungTurp1 on Twitter. We'll have all that stuff coming for you guys uh, as Coach Locks enters what possibly could be his best year, what should be his best year. And we're going to talk about uh, the unit that will probably define that being the Terps offense. Yeah, definitely a lot of uh, lot to like on the offense. Definitely some question marks as well. Uh, Talia Tagovailoa returns for year four with the program. Uh, obviously, Maryland returns the entire running back room with led by Roman Hemby once again. Uh, and then the wide receiver room, a lot of turnover, but definitely a lot to like. Some new pieces, some emerging pieces, and then, you know, some new pieces out of the portal. So uh, it will definitely be interesting. But like you said, I think that there's there's reason why uh, even with a lot of the turnover and a lot of the, the talent turn, um replacing that talent uh there's a lot of confidence that year five could still be a very successful season yeah and and i think it should be and the one thing that you we all saw i think what big 10 network had from their camp that they did with the terps uh, last week i think you've seen it on every major site you've seen it on inside the black and gold you've heard it from us what is going to happen with maryland's offensive line and some interesting stuff put up by you know film review that you had up on the site this week yeah, I think that will be uh, obviously probably the biggest question on both sides of the ball, probably the, the biggest question mark, you know, just to see how far Maryland can go this year. Obviously, uh, you returned DJ Glaze, who uh, started all 13 games last year, has played an awful lot this last two seasons. Um, he gives yours, uh, gives uh, Coach Braswell uh, an experienced tackle. It uh, looks like it'll probably be left tackle, but, you know, even now they're still kind of rotating that. Uh, obviously, Gadi Ayedzi, a uh, guy from Frostburg State, he'll be the guy starting opposite at the other tackle spot of DJ Glaze. So, uh, guy also had with experience at the D2 level, but, you know, was able to kind of get here in the spring, was kind of able to um, get situated and make that transition, you know, from a D2 pace to D1, Power 5. Um, and then now he's kind of getting situated. So, um, we'll see, you know, the interior offensive line will also be really interesting. You know, center, uh, they brought in a guy, Mike Purcell, grad transfer out of Elon, but, you know, Eric Harris isn't going down quietly. Uh, just kind of been rotating uh, with Purcell with the ones, uh, one, ones and twos uh, through spring ball, through the first pass scrimmage. So that still needs to be ironed out. Um, then you talk about portal additions, obviously Corey Bullock, who's another portal additional an addition in that offensive line. Um, I expect him to likely take over that uh, right guard spot with left guard still kind of the question mark. Uh, Amelia Moran is probably the little bit more experienced guy. Um, but, you know, you have Kyle Long in there that's that's pushing as well. Marcus Dumerville is another guy who might be, you know, a depth guy, but still finds his way working in the rotation. But, uh, you know, Maryland wrapped up their first scrimmage this past weekend. And uh, when asked about it, like Loxley admitted, the, the O-line is not close yet. So, um, 
definitely the biggest question mark. And if Maryland even continues to, you know, work on different rotations, different combos for week one uh, against Towson, wouldn't entirely shock me. Yeah, I, I think that's almost a given at this point. Uh, I kind of see it with with I, I think DJ Glaze at right tackle is something that I would like to see. You have a guy that's been successful in the spot. Moving from right tackle to left tackle is not as easy as just moving from, you know, it's like writing with your left hand if you're right-handed. It's a guy who's played there. He's been a, a really, really solid piece of this offensive line there. And when you look at this, you know, you obviously you have spots like right right tackle or whatever that tackle that's that's vacated is going to be. That That's your question mark on there. Where I really, really don't like where the Terps are at right now is between the tackles at their guard spots. I mean, Emilio Moran is somebody that if your coach locks your coach Prassel in that room, you had to be thinking circle that guy and say, if we're going to be successful this year, this guy's got to step up and finally take that starter role for what Ahmed, I mean, two, three years now we've seen him rotate in, take playing time from Mason Lunsford, get all those opportunities and never really deliver to solidify that spot of an offensive line with that was a really, really good group at times. Now, Eric Harris or, or personal there, I mean, if you don't have the tackles and you don't have the guards, the center is probably the least of your concern unless you're snapping the ball over the quarterback's head. I'm thinking that we see rotations either throughout the year or at least into week three, week four. And I don't really think anybody can say they're that surprised by that. No, I think I, I could definitely see that. I mean, you know, week two, obviously Charlotte, you know, uh, that's another another a chance for Maryland to, to kind of, you know, work on some things. Obviously, you know, Charlotte's coming in, uh, a lot of familiarity against Maryland. And I've, I've heard a, a lot of talk about them, you know, talk, talking their trash uh, going into that going into that week two matchup. But um, but yeah, obviously, I mean, uh, I think Eric Harris, I think Purcell, obviously, where where he kind of maybe is, you know, trying to overcome that is, you know, when you talk about the, the portal guys getting there in the spring, uh, Purcell did not. Purcell, this is his first go around. So kind of getting down that chemistry with Talia, um, that's something that, you know, is a work in progress. You can't uh, really force that. You can't really speed that up. It's all about, you know, reps and comfort level, um, getting that trust over time, getting the repetition, timing, everything down. So, um, but yeah, you know, you mentioned Amelia Moran. And I think even when Loxy talked about, uh, he talked about defensive line, but it's definitely applicable to the O-line because we've seen it the last two years, uh, just Maryland's rotations and whatnot to get these guys experience, get these guys a little bit seasoned so that when they're able to step up uh, into these roles, they're they're kind of able to uh, answer to the billing. So, um, yeah, you know, I think that's a big reason why obviously Glaze is there. And I think, uh, you know, Gotti, I think, you know, you can come along, Bullock as well. So um, I think once obviously they, they kind of identify these five, it's all about getting the the chemistry down between the, among the five of them. So um, just, just a lot, lot to, to, to kind of, question and whatnot uh d-line is obviously doing a really good job just kind of controlling the trenches right now through the practice uh in, scr in scrimmage number one um definitely i mean we talked about it you know to open up the segment but this offensive line is definitely going to be maryland's uh number one question mark uh in terms of su success this fall yeah and, and one thing that you mentioned that that really stuck out to me was talk about the rotation and last year i think the rotation in, in some ways really bothered me for the people that have listened to the show for a long time, the receiver rotation, the offensive line rotation, especially the center I thought was bizarre last year. I don't, I didn't always understand it. Obviously if one guy's really not playing well, you, you always as a coach are obligated to pull him out. It's not really something you see across the board in college football, the rotation they pulled last year. Maybe it pays off now, 
if we're looking for five guys to work together, I think those five guys need to spend a lot of time on the field, especially early in the season, if you want them to progress and, and come out the right way. Um, that That's kind of my last point on it. Get, get five that work together, put them to the test. And frankly, that test might not come until you're playing in East Lansing. Yeah, that's definitely possible. And, you know, I think the Spartans, um, think that's obviously a winnable game, but, you know, Spartans have some pieces where they can definitely present some challenges to Maryland in the trenches. So, uh, yeah, I think even UVA, you know, you know, Maryland won't be complete, you know, rollover or whatnot per se. There's, you know, maybe Towson the game. Um, but yeah, Michigan State will definitely be, uh, be a tough test. So, um, will be really interesting to watch. Well, we'll move right off to the side and over to the tight end spot. And that's where the Terps have, have one guy that, you know, was, Playing really, in my opinion, for a spot in the NFL, of course, that's Corey Deitches. And then beyond that, you see, I think, the program really building. A lot of young guys that are going to get opportunity to play, but somebody's going to have to emerge and really take that second spot. Ahmed, who's looking like who's looking like they're going to be that guy right now? Yeah, I think I think probably going to be Preston Howard. I just think he's a guy just kind of in his second year, just doing, doing a really good job. Obviously, he missed a lot of time freshman year, just kind of um, with battling that foot injury. Um, but just the, over the last year, kind of making that transition, you know, from a technique standpoint, obviously he was a former tight end before he started out as a, as a quarterback at McDonough, but um, he obviously just, you know, kind of getting down the, the the college aspect of playing that position. I think it's kind of been a really big thing over this last year. But then when you just look at the type of tight ends that Maryland looks at and and, and wants in that offense, Preston Howard fits that exactly. Um, and Canton Spring uh, won the Most Improved Freshman Award uh, on the offensive side with Lionel Whitaker drawing the honors on the defensive side of the ball. Um, so I think Preston Howard just kind of being a year ahead in the room, um, I think that that kind of gives him that edge right now. Um, and then, but, you know, you have a guy, another guy like Rico Walker where he was here in the spring as well. Um, you know, whether he's going to play offense, defense side of the ball, it's been offense throughout, uh, done a really good job, just kind of that big, big body uh, tight end who, um, even in his first season, um, you know, possible that he could potentially help out a little bit in the blocking game, which is where I think that tight end room maybe has the biggest question mark right now. I mean, you talked about Corey Deitches. He's a lethal threat in the passing attack. And when you talk about the deep wide receiver room, got to talk about Deitches because he's going to factor into some of those snaps. Uh, Preston Howard, you know, the, I think he's a guy that fans saw glimpses of in the spring game, but he's another guy where he can kind of be dynamic in the open field in the passing game. Rico Walker is another guy where, you know, he, he can be that threat in the red zone, but just finding that that second blocker. So I think when you couple the the blocking tight end void, of the true of, of a true tight end that fits that mold uh couple that with the offensive line questions i think maybe that's you know kind of combining into maryland just overall protection issues um from, from a receiving perspective obviously for the reasons i just mentioned Corey deitches preston howard rico walker all those guys can factor in but it's going to be from that blocking perspective and the third and ones third and twos uh so um, I, you know, talked about, you know, whether Maryland can bring in another offensive lineman, you know, you talk about Kyle Long, Emilia Moran, who are vying for that, you know, that left guard spot, you know, do, do both of them find those, find the field, uh, in the short yard situation, is that a way that they kind of mitigate that, that concern? So I think that'll be definitely an interesting storyline. I think they can get away with it those first three weeks though. Um, you know, we'll, we'll maybe see glimpses of it, but I just think Maryland's overall talent level against the three, their first three opponents, if they do what's expected. They, they kind of should come out uh, ahead, but um, you know, you talked about Michigan state. I think, I think they'll, they'll be able to kind of give Maryland fans a, a closer look at that, uh, at that factor. Yeah. And and this is a spot where 
it's one of those things you highlight on, on teams that win is who are those big blocking tight ends or even a guy like um, Burns, who was on the team last year for Maryland that played special teams that was ultra physical, that was really a fullback in an era of football where you don't see guys playing that role. But you look at this roster right now and you could say, oh, if we need a block and we need a tight end, you know, he can put on some pounds to be that guy. Well, he's gone from the program right now. So it, you, they lost a lot. They had many options at that spot last year. It was a strength with CJ Dupree and there with Burns and there with with the rotation of guys that you lose a couple guys to the portal and now you have a big question mark. But it's definitely something that you're going to have to find. You look at this team right now across who's your short yardage back. I think between Antoine Littleton, then Colby McDonald can play in that role or did has done well in that role in scrimmages so far in this camp. You have that guy, but if they're going to get housed, you know, it's third and one. We suddenly are having to run sprint out plays because you can't handle heat. That closes down your playbook and puts you in a spot where most teams succeed. And suddenly those third and shorts, those fourth and shorts, you're going to be in spots where you have to throw the ball. And that that's just not good. If you look at where Leah succeeds, yeah. that's not really where he's been able to succeed. So overall, I think you kind of have the mold for where your quarterback is best. And it's not not in tight windows and it's not necessarily when he's moving away from the pocket and doesn't have his feet set. Yeah, I completely agree. And you mentioned the short yardage and whatnot. I've actually heard on uh, two occasions, and I heard it again this past weekend, uh, Colby McDonald has actually looked really, really good in those, especially in the red zone uh, on the ground. I've heard he, he's kind of been the guy. Antoine Littleton sounds like, you know, he's kind of struggled a little bit, and Colby McDonald's taken advantage. So that's uh, been a, a nice, nice little development to hear out of camp. Uh, but yeah, you know, just like you talked about, that just Joey Burns type, um, you know, just kind of battling injuries through his first couple of years. But when he was on the field, you know, his presence was definitely felt you know that that first year when when cj dupree and joey burns were there both of them were in the same uh same goal line packet so i just kind of think losing that size and uh just kind of with with maryland's uh, identity uh, on the roster this year i just kind of think that's a um underrated concern yeah look at a spot and we just started talking about it so it's a great segue into our next topic the running back room for this team and and for me it's the biggest strength on this football team right now is just the depth they have in this spot Obviously, we're going to see guys, and it kind of brings you back to the Durkin days when they had Ty Johnson, Lolo Harrison. They had that group of players. Jake Funk was was in the mix then. And you look at the list of guys they have right now, Hemby obviously being your bell cow guy, Littleton, McDonald, Ramon Brown. And then I'm pretty sure if you get those four guys on the field enough, there there's not going to be enough touches for those four. But past that, obviously, you have the recruiting job that Loxley and company has done just to keep bringing talent into that room. Yeah, I think it's going to be a really big thing. I mean, obviously, I think – um an underrated aspect about all four of those guys coming back and you know they talked about it going into last season was just the uh, uh experience from a pass blocking perspective i think that was something that kobe mcdonald did well at but you know roman hemby he, he's done well but just you know getting all those guys back there and and kind of when you talk i mean i'm sorry to keep bringing it up but you know the protection issues um you know when you talk about that that experience nexus to leah uh and shotgun i think that that definitely helps but uh, obviously, you know, we know what Hemby's able to do just with that breakaway, that top end speed where he's able to really flip the field uh, anytime he finds the ball in space. Uh, Antoine Littleton has started to, to add some additional size back uh, while maintaining a little bit of the speed. So whether he can, like we talked about, just, just remain efficient in the red zone and kind of take on that role as, you know, that short yardage back, um, that remains to be seen. But, you know, Kobe McDonald's another guy who's done well uh, in camp in that role and kind of, you know, continues to make it a, that three-headed monster. And then Ramon Brown, um, you know, he's, he's been able to, to battle back uh, from his spring injury, uh, suffered in the second scrimmage of spring ball, missed the spring game. So uh, he's been back 
back out on the field and uniform. Um, so just, you know, like you said, just kind of factoring in all those four, but I just think, um, Maryland has the talent at receiver. And I think that the type of receivers that they have, they can beat you over the middle. They can beat you over the top. They can beat you outside. Like, I think that this receiver room has enough complimentary pieces where, you know, at really any given moment, uh, there's about seven, eight guys who can probably make a big play for you. Uh, but that running back room, whether they can kind of create that balanced offense and whether, you know, they can become a more, uh, bigger, a bigger factor in the passing game. You know, I think Colby McDonald, I think he was a guy that was able to show that uh, out of high school. Uh, we've seen it a little bit from Roman Hemby uh, over the last two years. So um, even, you know, Loxie even talked about it as well. What he wanted to see from Hemby was those one-on-one plays in space, making his defenders miss. Um, and that would help, you know, maybe turn some of those 10, 15 yard gains into 30, 35 to just, you know, the the, the big momentum plays on offense. Uh, that's what, you know, Loxie talked about, created the big plays on offense limit them on defense obviously so um i think him be, being able to do that uh, i think if he's able to do that leading the room again a i think that gives him a chance to be very likely a day two selection next year maybe you know high day three guy round four um and then b it, it gives maryland a chance to create that balanced offense that maryland fans have been looking for 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 quite some time now yeah the guy that i circle on this list is colby mcdonald um you talked about having a three-headed monster i think that's what this team needs and I also think they need they have at that point you have your balanced guy which is Hemby you have a guy who I really hope to be a true power runner I know that they've kind of been struggling in some of those short yardage packages with Antoine Littleton but a guy that can break tackles whether they're down the field maybe he's not the best third and one back even though he might look like it that, that isn't just a certain run style you need and then Kobe McDonald which I think is a balanced guy who has speed on the outside who I really really thought was underused at times last year. I think they had a lot of talent back there and they wanted to rotate guys through. But I really look at Colby McDonald as saying he can do it all. He's going to get that opportunity, whether it's this year or it's next year at Maryland. I think that if he can be successful, it's just another sign the team as a whole is successful. Now, it's also a spot where I look at, and I'll bring up the same thing that I said earlier with the offensive line. If a guy is running for a ton of yards and is running really, really well throughout a game, I know that everybody wants to get on the field, and I know that a lot of guys you are battling the transfer portal constantly now as a coach in football. But I would like to see a guy, if he can take 20 carries and he's going for 200 yards in that game and he's got that hot hand, leave him in the game and let him be that guy. I think that's something where you might have saw some overthinking on the offensive side of the ball. And I'm not saying, you know, you can't bring in a guy for third down who you want to run a screen to and have him catch a pass out in space and make a play. I'm not saying eliminate playing time as a whole, I'm saying if you've got a guy that's being a great first, second down back or a great second, third down back, let them be that guy. And I think hopefully we get to that spot with Henby being an all Big Ten player from last year, being you know recognized all over the place preseason this year. Hopefully they get to that spot. But my confidence with that's not necessarily high. They do really like to rotate their players. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree with that in terms of, you know, getting hot or whatnot. Um, yeah, I, I think it'll be really interesting. Obviously, you know, there's some ammo I think I saw. Uh, top five ranking. I can't remember who did it. Uh, I just saw it on Twitter. Uh, top five running backs in the Big Ten didn't have him be in there. Uh, but yet again, you know, some some analysts have him as you know maybe some of the top backs in the uh, for for next year's NFL draft. But you know, I just think you know again, like you said, just kind of being able to balance that out. Um, I think will will kind of be a big key. So uh, we'll be we'll be interesting to 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 kind of see how how that how that fares, how, who ends up stealing those snaps and whatnot. But, um, you know, obviously Colby McDonald, Antoine Littleton, Ramon Brown, I think they, they do a pretty good job with that. 
Yeah, and you're going to start me down a rant that that I don't think that anybody wants to hear, which is the preseason rankings, regardless of how valid the source of information is that are out there, might be the most ridiculous thing left in college sports. I mean, the amount of quarterback tier lists that like don't have a guy like Leah, but have a guy like Drew Aller at Penn State, who I understand, five-star player, but when he was on the field last year, just he didn't look that that good. Yeah. And- just, you know, uh, that stuff that's around, I think, it, it kind of goes with the coaches poll and the AP poll that that will be out. Though, I mean, the coaches poll is already out. AP poll is it come out either today or yeah, later? Yeah, it came out. I don't think any votes. Yeah, it, it's 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 those sort of things, and you know they always set the stage. But seeing teams like you know Oklahoma being in, involved and in those conversations after last year, and and finding a lot of the um, players that are out there that might be freshmen or just coming in that get find their way onto those lists, kind of throws them out the window, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely think that's fair. Definitely think that's fair. I don't, it's not uh, definitely not the you know the testament or whatnot. But um, yeah, uh, I think it, I just thought it was kind of interesting. But yeah, I thought it it's, it's always worth fair. bringing up because, it, frankly, it's a lens through the national picture of how that views you or the conference picture in, in the conference list and the national pictures for those. And you're still not seeing Maryland. Clearly, has not gotten the respect that I think Maryland fans think should be on the radar for this year. I think that guys like on the Big Ten Network can see that it's coming for Maryland, but from the angle of, you know, your PFF ratings and, and others of that like that are out there, Maryland's still not a team that's popping up on the list of, Oh, I need to fill out, you know, I need to write this article. Let me go find a player that needs to be included into it. Maryland's just not, they're not there yet. Yeah. I completely agree with that. Moving on through the offense. Ahmed, wide receiver room. You, you brought it up at the beginning spot, a lot of turnover here, some familiar names on the top of this, on top of your depth charts that you have up, but who who's popping out right now? Who's making those early season connections with Leah? Yeah, obviously you have Deshaun Jones. I think he's a guy who's kind of just been the alpha. Um, you know, you've heard it, you've also seen it, you know, if you've been to practice and whatnot, just him kind of taking on that, that, um, that vet, veteran leadership role, just kind of saw, saw him taking Prather aside, work on his routes, uh, the top of his routes, and just kind of the the, the the ability to, to kind of separate and whatnot. Um, so I think he's a guy, obviously, Caden Prather, he's a guy he's kind of been able to show uh, his NFL potential in the spring, and that's continued into the fall. Uh, Tyrese Chambers, another guy, I mean, he's factoring into the rotation game as well. So he's going to be a guy that's played, you know, big volume this fall. Um, Ty Felton, you know, he's another guy. He, he's making making his uh, presence felt. Uh, a couple of the young freshmen, Brain Wazowski, Ryan Manning, uh, Josh Richards. Sounds like he's kind of coming along a little bit well um, through his first, you know, uh, stretch in fall camp. Um, he just joined the program this June. Um, and then, yeah, you know, you, a couple of these guys have kind of had their moments as well. Um, so Octavian Smith is another guy. You think you're going to see him a lot. Uh, it kind of flashed that first week. Sounded like when Pads first came on, makes a big play. So, um, yeah, you know, you talked about Leon Hutton as well. He had a really good first scrimmage as well. Um, when you talk about that Demas-type body, uh, that was kind of what you were looking at him uh, at a high school. Um, and I think the biggest question that you had about Leon Hutton, you know, kind of coming out of high school is when you look at his build, his frame, you say, hey, you know, is he a receiver or tight end? But he's really been able to prove that he's that big body receiver, that outside threat that Dante Dimas provided, you know, kind of pre-injury. So um, don't think he don't think Hutton will start just yet, but definitely wouldn't be shocked to see him pretty heavily in the rotation as well. Yes, yeah, some guys that I think really, again, the Terps are going to need this year is Shalik Knotts is the first one that sticks out to a guy who had some opportunities, really got over the top of a couple of defenses, but just didn't catch the ball yeah. last year. I think that's something that you have to circle nonstop. 
with this group is who's my vertical threat down the field. I think Jay Sean Jones is a great mid-range wide receiver. He's going to make those big plays for you. Fantastic red zone presence. I mean, if you look at his career at Maryland, that's where he's made those plays, third and shorts in the red zone, being able to catch balls other than that one against Ohio State, two-point conversion. I know somebody was going to drop that in the comments, so I just had to take it from you now. Um, Those are the plays that he's always been able to provide to this team. Now, yeah, guys that were lucky enough to get on the field, Octavian Smith being one that, you know, was kind of the constant in there. They now get to see, you know, what it took to be a big time producer in this conference. Now, multiple guys on that team that are on NFL training camp rosters, they get to take a look at what that work was and now try and, you know, replicate it themselves. I would love to see an alpha dog. I know that's something I've been saying as we've gone through each of these position groups, who's going to come out and be their thousand yard receiver this year. That's the thing. Hopefully you don't end up in the spot again last year where they were, where they were trying to spread the ball around, trying to emphasize different players. Again, a little bit of overthinking in my opinion, but who can provide that every day? Kind of like what Dante Dimas was before his injury. Don't have to be quite that good, but they need that presence. Yeah. I think that's definitely fair. I think, you know, Prather is probably the first guy that comes to mind when he talked about that. I just kind of think with his size and uh, coming out, coming in with two years of experience from West Virginia, uh, definitely expect him to be one of those first three, four wide receivers uh, when the offense first takes the field uh, for that first series against Stileson. So I think he'll be, be a guy where he's, you know, able to make those big plays, red zone threat. Um, and then, yeah, you know, like I said, Leon Hodden, again, I think, I think he's a guy that, yeah, he can kind of take advantage of those uh, big plays down the field. Um, a little bit different of a type of receiver than than Shalik Knott is, but I think Shalik Knott, like you said, you know, he had uh, he he showed the ability to maybe you know kind of take advantage of being you know under, under scouted or you know maybe under uh, undervalued by opposing defenses. Where you know what, well, yeah, when he when he got onto the field, um, he was able to you know find find some uh some pretty open space but uh i think he'd love to have a couple of those passes back but uh yeah it will be really interesting to see uh i i do think that you know shalik and octavian may just be a little bit ahead of excuse me uh leon and octavian might be a little bit ahead of uh of a shalik knots right now uh in terms of perhaps step chart or whatnot but um like you said i i still think you know even with last year and you know all the nfl hype and whatnot and i think you know last year's receiver room was definitely talented but i think this wide receivers room uh could in terms of production probably be as good if not more uh or better than uh than last year's room yeah and i think last year's room you know has its as his big praise of of what they had. But when you look at the stats at the end of the year, it was, I don't think you can find a Maryland fan or coach that would say that, that they met or exceeded expectations. I think a lot of people will circle a couple just passes throughout the years, drop touchdowns from different players, you know, missed, missed opportunities when there was big separation, especially down the middle of the field from Leah. And you can just go almost game by game and kind of come up with, I think what a lot of the fear in, in the fan base is right now for the offensive line, which is, did they ever really gel together and play off of each other's strengths? And I think if you turn on the tape, you'll find the answer to that really to be no. Um, and, and that's why you kind of, you hope to say, I have an alpha dog wide receiver. I have somebody that I can rely on every game that's going to show up and then keep the rotation tight. Whoever's playing well, again, same thing, as I said, for the running back room, find ways to get them the ball in space. And just, if somebody's hot, keep them on the field. Yeah, exactly that. I think, you know, like you said, just being able to find that alpha. I think Deshaun Jones will kind of probably take on that role. Uh, but yeah, I think I think there's there's definitely a chance to, to, to kind of keep feed, feed the hot hand. You know, maybe Tyrese Chambers kind of takes advantage of that maybe one week or two. Um, but yeah, I, I just think that's wide receiver room. Uh, a lot of these guys, you know, offer different skill sets, whatnot, but um, definitely explosive when they can get the ball in their hands. And then the guy that puts it 
altogether, of course, Maryland's quarterback, Talia Tungavailoa, comes back. And he's got a great, great cast around him other than maybe his offensive line. Where have you been seeing the progressions with Leah? Where where do you think he needs to improve, improve and, and what's kind of the internal feel on him? Yeah, I, I just think, you know, just the, the red zone efficiency. Obviously, I think that's kind of the biggest thing, um, being efficient with the deep ball, not falling in love with it, not, um, you know, feeling like you're reaching, chasing. Uh, I think maybe the, those are kind of the things that you kind of want to focus on. Um, and then you think about, you know, the offensive line, you know, Leah, you know, he definitely can, I mean, he he can make the plays with his legs, um, use that mobility to extend the plays a little bit. Um, you just wonder, you, you, you hope and emphasize, obviously, that uh, when he's able to get out the perimeter, that he's staying efficient with the ball. Um, I, I think that's going to be a really big thing, just kind of with that offensive line. Um, just with Leah being smart with the ball, I think we kind of saw strides from 2021 to 2022 with that. Uh, and I think that's going to, again, be be a big emphasis uh, this season, just being smart with his decision-making. I think Merrill's offense, obviously, you know, what they would have loved to do is been more explosive and, and have those deep shots uh, and connect on a lot more of those last year. So I think you're going to try and see a little bit more of that. And I think Talia was even a little bit more transparent about that. But um, like you said, I think, you know, just with the, the rapport, obviously he has with some of these vet, uh, veteran guys that came back Ty Felton, uh, Deshaun Jones, and then Caden, uh, Prather, uh, Tyree Chambers, both of those guys out of the portal. I think all, all of those guys uh, from a chemistry standpoint, um, they did a really good job. And Billy Edwards, Cam Edge, you know, all those guys were very proactive, just kind of throughout the off season, spring ball uh, through, through summer, uh, just getting the getting to Jones Hill House, getting an extra work, things like that. So, uh, I think we'll definitely be a byproduct of you know just kind of the the testament and and kind of the receiver room's mindset and whatnot, and just kind of the relationship with Talia. But I think just kind of in terms of next up with Talia, just you know staying staying smart with the football and and yeah, not not forcing it. Uh, I think that's going to be a really big thing. Yeah, and, and I'll kind of just tag off of that and just say it's it's trusting the playbook. You know, those first reads on on quick read plays, you you got to put the ball in those windows, whether they're tight or not. Obviously, you talk about being careful with the football, and, and there, there is a fine line with that, especially, again, if they get into those situations where they're going to have to pass the ball in, I would say, third and, and short situations, you're going to be looking for a lot of quick stuff, getting guys the ball uh, in their hands in space and, and allowing them to make a move there's a lot of just like the little things. I think a lot of your big things were accomplished when you look at a player like Leah. Now it's, it's really making that true jump of going from a very, very good college player to a great college player to an NFL quarterback. And I think that when you look at his game and, and his goals, those are the things that you would hope that he's focused on. Obviously there's been a change in the staff around him. There's going to probably be a little bit of a different approach, but it is still Loxley's offense guys that know that. I, I really think it's it's time to put it all together for Leah and, and then really find his rhythm in the season, find his rhythm with his receivers that he's been with here for multiple years and have those opportunities to build with. There's a lot that obviously comes from the portal with every college team at this point, but he's in that position where you almost feel like he's had guys around him. He's been in this environment for now a long time in terms of college football players. Can he really make that next step? Can he really show the big 10 and show college football as a whole, that he's not like, uh, you know, your weeks one through three all-star and then kind of dwindles out throughout the season. Can he really show the big 10 that, Hey, this guy is a player that, that deserves that player of the year that deserves to be all big 10 that deserves, you know, a lot of the accolades that he's gotten from the Maryland fans. Does he earn that respect from the conference? And that that's really what's on the line from him, at least in my opinion this year. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I, I think, um, 
Yeah, just just with his, you know, maturity and whatnot, you know, just kind of being able to, to you know, shoulder that. And then, you know, Loxie talked about last year, you know, just the, the emotional uh, maturity, the development aspect of Talia's game. Um, and, you know, when you think this year, um, I think that the biggest question maybe I have really is just going to end up being, you know, when Maryland plays these big dogs and they get into the part of Big Ten schedule uh, against some of these top defenses in the conference. In the conference, uh, they, you know, last year we watched some of these teams. You know, Penn State uh, did a really good job, just kind of overloading Maryland's weakness, weak, weak spots, um, flustering the offense, flustering Talia. I mean, the offense just looked completely out of rhythm first four series, and you can kind of start to see Talia, you know, start to, you know, his confidence. You know, you could. It's evident just watching the game. You know, it's just not. It's not the same feel, um, and you kind of wonder if maybe that's the thing that he, he can kind of do or need to do uh, this year, obviously with a lot of the question marks up front. So um, I think that's another, another thing that I'm kind of looking at, but, you know, obviously he's rewritten the the record book here at Maryland is uh, I don't even know if it's a, it's a question anymore, if he's the the greatest quarterback in program history, but I think he'll kind of have that chance to solidify that this season. Uh, obviously, like we talked about, just kind of with the wide receiver room at his disposal. So uh, definitely, definitely a lot of, uh, momentum uh, with what Talia has to offer this year. Yeah. And then I think the unit as a whole has a chance to kind of be that, that on the edge year last year, if you want to put it that way, you know, they, they had a lot of talent. They had a lot of people looking at them and saying, you know, this team is a team that can really make a jump and it didn't just didn't come all the way together for them. Uh, they had obviously the opportunities in Michigan and Ohio state and college park, but then they also had games like the Wisconsin one, which was just, awful Penn State one which we just talked about you know where they got out of rhythm and just could not fight their way out of it in bad weather and it just looked like it really mentally challenged everybody on the field and they just they didn't rise up to it that day now do you take that and and a lot of the guys that are returning and can you really make progress on it and that's one of the things that as a coach defines you and and as a player defines you is you know you get big opportunities you don't convert on them do you come back the next year your next opportunity and do you cash in on them or do you kind of stay in that seven and five and I even think you could throw an eight and four in that kind of realm of could have would have should have for Maryland is there's you read the schedule there's nine wins that you can come up with there and then if they they you know win a game they shouldn't you're in that double digit win category can you make that happen I think for this unit you got to be focused on that and you got to be focused on what your goals are and you hear Loxley talk about every video they put out every press conference he has now he wants a team that can win championships He's certainly got guys that got close last year. It's can they finish? Can they show up every week? And can they really reach their goals uh, that they have as a team? Yeah, I think that's definitely definitely the biggest question mark. Will be really interesting to watch to see kind of how that develops uh, this season. Obviously, Maryland will try and get. I think a lot. I see a lot of people. You know, to have them um, uh, eight wins. Uh, the, a lot of the preseason previews that I've seen now. So I think it'll be interesting. If Maryland's kind of able to put that together, you know, do they get to the eight wins or are they able to surpass that? So uh, it'll be interesting to watch. So I'll ask you one that's kind of off off the notes. Confidence one out of ten in this offensive unit. Where where do you kind of sit right now, and and what are your expectations for the year? Um, I'd say five right now because you know I just think the offensive line is just too much of a work in progress. Um. I think it's really hard to to really move the needle until they're able to, you know, kind of prove it in the trenches. Um, obviously, you know, you hear some some good things. I think, you know, Corey Bullock, I think you're able to to kind of rely on him. Uh, I think DJ Glaze, you know what you have with him. Uh, Gadi Yedzi, you know, I think he had NFL draft buzz. You know, can he can it translate on a consistent basis? You know, we'll see. But 
Um, I think once once the offensive line maybe is kind of able to gel together and you know able to to kind of put some good things together, yeah, that number could probably rise to you know six seven. Uh, but until then, uh, I I think it, it just kind of cautiously optimistic right now. Um, and again, you know, I feel tend to stay on ten toes down on you know the fact that they have the skill players, they have the running back room, they have the quarterback that you know you can go into a Big Ten game and you can win, but it just it all starts in the trenches in the big 10 and um, you know, Maryland, they, they were able to go into the portal and add some guys, uh, obviously a guy like Marcus Dumerville, who I expect to be able to kind of contribute down the line. And yeah, he's been able to rotate in now, but um, do they have the line and do they have the, the, the fives chemistry down uh, in order to go into, you know, October, November uh, in order to move the needle. Uh, I think that's kind of the thing that not, not sure we have the answer to yet. So I think until we do, um, I'll say right, right down the middle. Yeah, I would say I'm probably at a six. I think I'm a little bit more optimistic on on the offensive line, what the skill position players can do for them. I, I really, when I look at the roster, I like a lot of the guys they have on there, and, and I, I will say I kind of like some of the the longer term pieces they have that may not be you know your top line, your depth chart, but guys like Kyle Long that've been with the program, guys like Chris Love that have stuck around for. For a while, you look at teams that build around the Big Ten and they might take guys that aren't the highest star ratings and they end up on the field somehow. For Maryland, that seems like more of a hole that they would fall into than than being on the upside of it. But I do see the year-over-year depth there. And when you look at this this group, you end up saying maybe like two out of five guys right now you're confident in. Maybe three out of five on a good day. But if you have two question marks on that line, you really got to think about it. That's an entire side if it's your left guard and left tackle. And it's an entire piece of your interior line if it's your center and one of your guards. That's not necessarily a good place to be. And, and that's going to stop them in those big games and against teams that I think a lot of people have written off as wins or as competitive games around like Illinois. And if you look at a Brett Bielema coach team, Wisconsin, Illinois, it didn't happen for them down in Arkansas. But where are they good in the trenches? Where did they beat you? 17 to 13, where they run the ball for 200 yards and they hold the ball the entire game. And you look at Maryland's roster on the offensive side and where they've been successful, it's high scoring games where it's up and down and they're, they're in rhythm and they're in pace. So I think that's where you're going to have to win. You're going to have to line up against somebody in a low scoring game and punch them in the mouth. And can this team do it? That's, you know, your four or five points worth of confidence on a confidence scale. Yeah, I definitely, definitely agree. I think, you know, it'll, it'll kind of be, um, you know, yeah, I think that, you know, the, the concerns are, are definitely shared there. So I think, you know, like you said, I think the, the schedule kind of gives them a chance to kind of maybe ease into it and kind of find find their groove a little bit. So, um, yeah, definitely, you know, some some experience. And Loxie talked about that, you know, just experience doesn't have to be at Maryland per se. But, you know, a lot of these guys, it's not their first time playing football, whether elsewhere or just rotating in or, you know, like DJ Glaze, obviously, uh, who's able to be an integral starter uh, and integral piece in the rotation over those last two years. So, um, but, uh, but it will definitely be interesting. I think uh, for that first week is uh, 3.30 p.m. kickoff and uh, will be definitely interesting to see how, how Josh Gaddis is able to do in his first season in College Park. Yeah, and we'll have more on the season as camp rolls on. Ahmed, you'll be out there. Is that Wednesday or Thursday this week that's available to the media? Wednesday, yeah. Ahmed will be out there. We'll have coverage and notes from practice live in College Park. Coach Loxley, and as they get things going, uh, all that will be available on Inside the Black and Gold. And, of course, you can follow us on the podcast. We're going to be weekly up until the season starts. And then, as Ahmed mentioned earlier, we'll have a midweek preview probably start off with a season preview because I'm not sure, you know, how much there really is about there for Towson. They're kind of in a transition period 
uh, in Baltimore now as they move on from longtime coach Rob Ambrose into a new era for the Tigers. And then we'll have post-game coverage after each game here on the podcast. Make sure to like, rate, review, and follow us everywhere that you get your podcast. It really helps us out. And as always, thanks for listening.